1: Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. I'm Nick. I'm Irina. And I'm Kurt. And this is our review of The Kindred, starring David Allen Brooks, Amanda Pays, Talia Balsam, Kim Hunter, and Rod Steiger, directed by Jeffrey Obro and Stephen Carpenter, released in 1987, grossed $2.4 million at the box office. Now, if you've been keeping up here on Filmstrip, you just listened to a review of Anaconda, uh, because Nick decided that Kurt and I needed to watch bad monster movies or something a while back. And so we finally found a good time to put that one out. And yeah, for the most part, we had a lot of fun kind of poking at that one and and laughing and stuff. But Nick, you claim and have claimed for years to have a very vivid childhood memory of this. So please do tell. Well,
2: it's one of these movies where my dad used to just record a ton of stuff on HBO. When we used to have the free trials. And I kind of slightly remember just watching this with him one night And then it got recorded over because then we started recording every episode of The Simpsons. And the reason why I remember this was because this was on the Season 3 VHS. And for whatever reason, the ending of this movie was, like, in between two episodes. So I'd be watching, (coughs) I don't know, like, something with, like, you know, maybe Homer meets his long-lost brother. And then all of a sudden, it's, like, we get the end of this movie where the lady's getting pulled out of the, uh, you know, the underneath the house. And then the guy lighting the fire with all the little ones. And then it goes on to, like, uh, Skinner dating Patty. I mean, it was, like, <laughs> the most random thing. But I, I watched it, and I just remembered like, always seeing this, like, ending part. And then for years, it was bugging me. I'm, like, what the hell was that movie? And I joined, like, so many different movie forums to kind of give, like, my retrospective memories on this being like it's a movie it's got like these little black creatures on it and it's someone crawls out from underneath like the porch who got pulled in and dude likes smoking cigarettes and he pours lighter fluid on a bunch of stuff and lights the house on fire and it took like five groups in five years and then finally somebody said i think that's the kindred and i'm like no that doesn't sound right and then i found it on youtube (laughs) and i was like holy shit it is that movie and I don't know. It's just one of these ones that have come up and it was either going to be this or we were going to do like something like what? I don't know, like something like really Oscar worthy, like we were going to do crash. It was either crash <laughs> or this. So this, this is the more believable movie. So we're going to go with this one.
3: <laughs> I'm so glad you blessed me with this one.
1: <laughs> yeah, Irina, we brought you into this fold because... I don't know. I felt like torturing you. I don't know. I just thought you might, <laughs> you might, uh, get a kick out of the, uh, supreme and total wackiness. But have either you or Kurt ever heard of or seen this before I sent you random YouTube leaks uh, a week ago?
3: No, no, never heard of it. Never saw it. Um, I I, I do love the cover photo. I thought that was fabulous. But um, no, you sent this to me and I was in the middle of doing a lot of sewing because uh, it's it's April 2020 right now. So that's kind of the thing. Um, But I I managed to make it all the way through and and I I have words, but uh, never saw it before. Never even heard of it.
0: Yeah, I'll echo that. Never heard of this until you said, hey, we're doing this uh, (laughs) random cheese movie, uh, The Kindred. Uh, You want to do it? Yeah, sure. Why not? And after watching it, I know why I never heard of it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, here's the funny thing. Um, Because, Nick, you've, you've had this conversation with me, too, trying to get me to figure out what this movie was, I don't know, for years, too. And I'm like, "Man, I had no idea. Amityville 3? I don't know. But sitting and watching this with my my wife, who did sit and watch it with me oh, uh, the no. other night, um, oh no, and I'll tell
2: you what Thank she says God for a here. lockdown. Dude. You might be single right now.
3: No. <laughs> Seriously, is she still at home? Did she go socially distance the last, elsewhere?
1: <laughs> the last I heard, she was still here. But watching this with her, I realized something. I've seen this movie before. No, <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll tell you how I knew I'd seen it before. Uh, back before there was film strip, I used to just do this with my friends. Like, we would g- watch movies on the weekends, and when we would all get together at school, or in this case, at Boy Scouts, and would be recalling what we had recently seen, everyone would have a story to tell, and would do kind of like sessions. They would just tell sort of their story of it or whatever. And my good friend Joe Smith, uh, that's his actual name, uh, who, and he's not listening to this show, so I have no fear of this anymore. But well, Joe told us about this movie about there was like this genetic mutant baby and they were in these jars. And the way he described it sounded a lot like one of the Amityville sequels. It might even be Amityville three. And I was convinced that's what he meant, but he said, no, it's, it's called the kindred. And I remember seeing this on one of those free HBO weekends too, or something like that. I remember seeing this once when I was a kid, because watching this again, I'm like, I remember this scene. I remember that person. I remember that goofy reel to reel. Because years later, when I got my hands on an actual reel to reel, I was like, oh, yes, I know this from pop. So I had seen this somewhere before, but clearly had committed none of it to memory other than evil mutant child thing coming at me. And I think I knew that, like that VHS cover, which is kind of the poster for the thing the baby bottle with the mutant inside of it, which got me, how can you not, you know? remember that once you've seen it. So I had seen it once before, though I, I did not remember it. The thing that I took away from watching the opening of this movie and getting into it is that it took five people, an entire five people, admittedly, who wrote this. And one of them was the guy who wrote Psycho. Please explain to me how that exists. <laughs> well,
0: I wish I could.
3: <laughs> I don't think any of us can. <laughs> the really good parts of these this movie must belong to the writer of Psycho. I'm just saying.
1: I mean, the thing is, the people that worked on this, the, the actors, a lot of the production, the two directors have gone on to work again. Now, Jeff, Jeffrey Obro kind of just stayed in Sherlock horror and stuff like that. But Stephen Carpenter has done television for years. He did Grimm. If you I mean, all watch that show, that's kind of his baby. I mean, he's done a lot of stuff. And Stefano, in addition to having written Psycho and adapted it from the Robert Block novel, like created The Outer Limits and stuff. So, like, I get like how he's associated with this, but I kind of feel the same way, Irina. They they begged him. He knew somebody's cousin, something, come in and punch the dialogue up or whatever. And they were like, "I hey, will just put his name on it. Maybe he won't mind, you know." And the other thing that I couldn't find any budget information. Other than less than $500,000 was a phrase that got thrown around a lot. And I think I can believe that. And the fact that it made $2.4 just tells you where we were in 1987 in horror. Which, by the way, is the same year that Nightmare on Elm Street 3 and Hellraiser both came out. And those movies weren't made for a lot of money either. But there's a little difference in quality, I would say.
2: Well, you know, what you're saying, though, is The Kindred is actually more profitable than Justice League.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. It. In pure percentages, yes, Bernie Madoff, so. and dollars, <laughs> and dollars.
3: <laughs> Before we started recording this, I kind of went back to um, a, a review that I just did with Brian for Empire Records, which has become like a cult classic. Which I know you, Jay, will refuse to watch. That only grossed like two hundred something thousand dollars, <laughs> and I was looking at it, and I know different time period, but I was like, "How the, how the hell did that happen?"
1: All right, well, Nick says this is your baby, literally, in so many ways. Um, We've we've tasked you with the plot summaries. On Amanda's deathbed,
2: she requests her son, John, to her side. She requests him to destroy all the lab notes from her last experiment. She also blurts out that he had a brother. At the funeral, John meets Melissa, who claims to be his mother's biggest fan. (laughs) Together Uh with some of John's (laughs) friends, they go to Amanda's house but none are prepared for what they find there. His monstrous tentacle baby brother, we will call the baby brother Kurt. Now he has to go get his mother's (laughs) greatest advancement in human evolution before the mad scientist, we call him Jay gets to him first. Some of this other stuff happens. People run around the house and in the end, a giant Kurt comes out through the floor and pulls down somebody and then ends up getting killed, but not before he kills Jay. Then, John goes back into the house at the end and then burns it down, and then he leaves. They end up going to get some ice cream, and they all possibly <laughs> got an inner ear infection. And that is the
1: <laughs> All I want to know is, Irina, are you the um, biggest fan, or are you the put-up-on-girlfriend of the lab assistant? Because I assume Nick is John in this uh, whole scenario. So, <laughs> we're <to> <laughs> Well, I don't want to settle for being next girlfriend in a movie. So I'll just be, you know, her biggest fan. Biggest fan turns into a fucking fish monster. Oh my God, it's so good, too. Okay, so let's talk about this. And I'll try to walk us through it as best I can. Don't hurt me. I I just remember the start of this movie. And I, I don't. I don't really understand what happened, so I'm going to lay out what I think happens and then I need one of you coherent people to please tell me where I'm wrong. So we see a red Porsche speeding in the rain and it blows by a truck to flip it off GTA 5 style only to crash into like a, I don't know, chat and chew on the side of the road. It looked like a house in the middle of the road. Right. I mean, it's like the Wraith happens again, (laughs) but the guy lives or is intact somehow, but he's (laughs) brain dead. So... The ambulance driver gets run off the road by the old guy that got passed by the Porsche so that the old guy can take it to Rod Steiger, who's the evil doctor we find out. But the ambulance driver's in on it, too, and he gets sacrificed to some mutants later. I think that's what happens. Is that the setup of this movie? That's the, that's the,
0: that's the setup, and it's one of the weirdest things how the setup has nothing to do with what comes after. Keep waiting for, I kept waiting for it to call back. It's like, wait, is he making zombies in the basement? Is he some kind of Frankenstein? Doesn't matter because it never comes up again. It,
2: it's totally like one of the later Simpsons, you know, speaking of the Simpsons, you know, it's like one of the later Simpsons, you know, episodes set up where like the beginning of the episode has nothing to do with the entire rest of it. It's basically the same thing here where it's like, oh, let's have it. I mean, I, I was I mean, even bringing up the movie Crash, I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the one with um the earlier Crash movie, the guy, uh, what's that director's <laughs> name? Uh Corona Burns. <laughs> Yeah, it was almost like I felt like I was watching that. Where I'm like, this is really weird. And then all of a we get to this hospital scene. So I was like, okay, I think we're in the right movie. But yeah, it was a totally just one of those random openings that really doesn't make sense. But hey, maybe they borrowed someone's Porsche and wanted to crash it. So good for them. <laughs> you
3: know, at this moment, it's just you know the body snatcher. Um, really, that's what I'm calling the, cause he's not really an old guy. He's a really tall blonde guy with a mustache who shows up to punch the ambulance driver and and take, and take off the, the brain dead body. Um, and it, it, we get some of it back. We get some of it back when we go into this doctor's lair where he's got all these weird ass creatures. I don't know what they are, but that it's, you know, our Frankenstein moment here.
1: Yeah, I've, I've rare to think about another movie and I really tried to think of one where the inciting incident didn't really incite anything. And I can't think of another one <laughs> that does this, particularly in this genre, because that's the thing about like horror sci-fi movies. Like you kind of want people to know what's happening in the beginning of it. Like, I don't know if you, any of you guys have ever seen uh night of the creeps or whatever, which is a total B oh, movie. Yeah. yeah. But the opening of that is, is, it's exactly setting up everything that's about to happen for the next 80 minutes i mean it's it's, the, it's a perfect setup um this on the other hand is just like a, another movie they started shooting and then somebody else's part of the script came in and
0: that's exactly what i was thinking it's like this must be like the number you know five different writers one of them had an idea for another movie and they said we're never going to make that let's just throw it into here Almost like an anthology type thing, like all these various stories, but it's so shabbily done. Uh, of like, again, it's just like it's because it, it, so much work went into this thing of like this guy with a reanimator lair in his in the basement of this government <laughs> hospital or whatever. And the fact that we don't go back to it is really strange.
1: Yeah, Geneticon, I think, is the name of the lab. Uh, G- no, Genetisell Corporation. And the only thing I realized is that that sign was probably the most expensive prop they had on the set. Getting <laughs> that sign made, Nick, you worked for a sign company for a number of years. It's in your family. Like that wasn't like cheap. Like they they put in some effort into that sign.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, five hundred thousand dollars. That was at least fifty thousand of it. So right there ten of budget. <laughs> so, and probably the Porsche was the other part. I mean, what was that? Probably forty thousand right there. So. We're, we're already a fifth down. So, and then you got craft services and yeah, I mean, the, the mad scientist who oh, looked hey. like he probably eats quite a bit. So right there is half the budget. So
1: <laughs> no, no, look, Rod Steiger was on this set. I'm convinced for about 22 hours and <laughs> that's all we got. And I, I, it's, it's fun to watch uh, Oscar Winter slum it in uh, movies and wonder what financial decisions led them to this moment. Um, because there had to be some, like there's, why would you get, I mean, I know there's one part of the movie that it must have been a great joke. And maybe he was in on, it. I don't know where he's yelling at everyone to get in the house, which is exactly the opposite of what he said in the Amityville horror, get out of the house. Is that, is that why they hired him? How did, how did Rod Steiger wind up in this movie? Do any of you have any idea?
0: It's probably just two words, beer, money. I looked up his resume. He he was doing a lot of genre stuff uh, after, I mean, this guy. This is. It's. It's not. He's not just some schlub. This is, guy's been in some of the biggest movies uh, ever, like On the Waterfront, Longest Day, Pawnbroker. He played Napoleon in Waterloo, and of course won an Oscar for one of the better performances ever in movies. In the Heat of the Night, and right after we meet him in this movie, he's got his hands inside of a cat's guts. <laughs> yes.
1: Yes. <laughs> I thought of you, Irina specifically. And I almost texted you like, I don't know, this might trigger you. Cause you're like the cat mom of this podcast now. And I, my wife and I were convinced <laughs> he's dissecting a live cat. But I think that's just another failed Anthony or something. I don't know.
3: Uh, Well, you know, I I love cats, but not so much that my my heart aches when something like that happens in a movie. Now, if it was a dog, there'd be a whole other story. I'd be weeping. But for me, this movie, once we finally got into things and we were researching in um, Amanda's house, um, it was almost like the backwoods spinoff of aliens. And it, killed me for a number of scenes and then I thought to myself this must be why Nick liked this
2: yeah I mean you're you're not wrong I mean my my, my memories of this I mean I'd like to sit there and say I like this because I didn't even know what the hell this movie was until I started watching (laughs) two days ago but I just remembered like the little scene I remember like the little like black aliens so like yeah I mean from what I remember there was like an alien vibe to it and like you know the, the mad scientist I thought it was Donald Pleasance for the longest time it's like, I just remembered like, kind of like a, a round, you know, guy and, you know, he had kind of like the whole, like uh guy from Halloween, you know, Loomis thing going on and everything. So I just, that's all I remembered from it. So
3: I went through moments here where I saw the little snaky finger coming up out of the ground right before the dog gets eaten. By the way, there's the dog part and i thought okay so we got et and then once i finally saw this thing it looked just like a xenomorph and i was gone
1: <laughs> like a xenomorph if you took if you took the costume and microwaved it and then threw some ky jelly Aliens that's, three. What, it, Aliens that's three. what it looks we're,
3: we're, you know we're right there
1: it's that but i, I want to tell y'all and i I have no way of proving this, so I'm just going to say, though, I bet you Joss Whedon has seen this movie and loves it, because there's some Ripley clone shit going on in jars in this movie, and I'm like, oh, oh, kill it, kill it with fire. <laughs> I mean, really, I I had that moment several times while watching the uh, the climaxes of this. Uh, I mean, there's so many movies happening here. You've got not only Frankenstein's monster, <clears throat> you've got Bride of Frankenstein, because biggest fan is like – poisoned with some, I don't know, fake drug, hypnocil, something, or whatever, and she's barely alive, so when you kiss her, she tastes like a shrimp. I don't know what that means, but there's that, and then she becomes a fish at the end, when they finally can't cure her enough i don't know it's and when the goo gets on you that infects you but apparently being having your face bitten by one of these things doesn't do anything to you because girlfriend gets one out of the sink and she's totally fine at the end of this i there's so many things going on in this movie you've got your creature feature again you've got alien we've got frankenstein shit going on um it's it's and then you've got like the evil corporate lab Guy, too. And the thing that would have made that, I don't want to say work, but for lack of a better say, the, the, the thing that would have made that work a little bit is if you realize like he had some sort of deal with the military <laughs> to get money for this. Like, I don't understand what Dr. Lloyd's angle is other than I want to finish this experiment and this next evolution of humans. I mean, because do they ever explain the back alley of mutants that he feeds the ambulance driver to?
3: No, there's no explanation of any of that. I think you know the whole goal of uh, Dr. Lloyd here is is he wants the fame of having created some sort of hybrid. He doesn't care what it looks like. Obviously, look at his chamber of secrets there. Um, but uh, you know, it, it's 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 just he wants he wants the glory.
1: So let's talk about our leading man here a little bit. John, Dr. Hollins, John Hollins, David Allen Brooks. Have any of you seen him in <laughs> anything else? Because I was getting this whole greatest American hero vibe off of this dude
0: huh. or chips. No I, no, I have not.
2: That's a no for me. I've never seen him before <laughs> besides this.
3: It'll be a no for me as well, because I do <laughs> not have the same, the, the same movie library in my brain that the rest of you do.
1: The thing is, though, I looked him up because I was like, did did this did any of these people ever work again was like my question. Actually, it was my wife's question. Did these people do anything else ever again? And I was like, yes, Rod Steiger, of course. But she was like, we yeah, have none of these other losers, right? And I said, well, actually, hold on. And I started looking it up. And when you look up this dude's filmography, y'all, you're going to be blown away by this. He was in Manhunter. He was in Castaway. He was in The Doors. (laughs) He's been in uh, the show Numbers. He was in CSI Miami for a little while. He was on ER. This guy has worked for years, for decades. He was also in Jack Frost, too, so let's not give him too much. And I'm not talking about the Michael Keaton one. I'm talking about the Killer Snowman one. Uh, But he was in Melrose Place for a little while. I mean, this guy has worked for decades now, and I, I just get him as, like, bland Late eighties leading man kind of thing. That's that's sort of what he has going. But again, William Cat was kind of my, my point of reference for him with that gorgeous gold mullet he had going on.
3: It was a beautiful head of head of lion hair. You know, it's funny if you look at the list of actors that are are in this movie and you go to Talia Balsam, she. You know, she had a she's had a great career. She was in Mad Men, and you know, she's George Clooney's ex wife. So we have, as you said before, uh, the people went on to do things. What what were they, yeah, they doing went on to here? George Clooney. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know.
2: <laughs> well, the the you know Kim Hunter, who's also in this too. She was Doctor Zira in uh Planet yeah. of the Apes as well. So, and she actually, uh, reading about her her whole uh, history too. She's actually got two stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Eat your heart up, Donald Trump.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we get the the setup though that he gets the call, or I think his actually his what is uh, Sharon to him like they're not married, but is she his significant other? She seems to be i don't I don't know whatever. Sharon gets the call at home with the cute dog that almost answers the phone for her, and we find out mom's out of the uh, the coma. Or whatever. So we're going to go see mom at the lab, at the lab, at, or the hospital rather. And that's when we see Doctor Lloyd and his evil intentions come to light. And we go see mom in the hospital, and I love how like her dying words are like, "I never told you." <laughs> But I went for a drive one day to destroy everything, and I didn't burn it all well. You need to go take care of it. And then, like, your brother, it's your brother. And this man is left so confused this whole time. But what I am blown away by is this actor's ability to, at no time, at any bit of the information that is unveiled to him, does he emote at all, ever, in this entire film. He reads it all like he's reading an insurance commercial.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that's a a hell of a scene. Uh, That scene has one of the standout moments for me is one of the most, one of the least graceful cuts I've ever seen in a movie. Like uh, on 2001 has one of the best where the, you know, throws the bone in the air, turns into the weapon satellite. And this Hollins, mom is dying. Her machines start making the flat line noise. And (laughs) just as they start making the noise, bam, smash cut to the funeral already in progress. Not a fade, not fade up, fade back in. (laughs) just smash cut to the to the priest talking about her and i god that made me laugh there's a lot there's there's there is a couple moments that did make me laugh for the wrong reasons and and that was one of them because it's like i've edited like two videos in college and i would know that even an amateur wouldn't do that
1: yeah i was gonna ask like did they just have the funeral like immediately after because it looks like people put on a tie and just went outside I mean there it's um and it's almost like they're trying to recreate that Nightmare on Elm Street funeral stuff too. That I've seen that I mean you have the, the priest actually giving the lesson as part of this and I, droning on and on about and we'll now release her into the waking arms of you know whatever. Meanwhile notice no one is crying <laughs> even her son not a tear not one bit um and then he meets her biggest fan which if anybody ever says that has that ever gone well in cinematic history i'm gonna say no
3: <laughs> no i don't think it has
1: <laughs> misery maybe
3: i wouldn't
2: say that went well Nick. <laughs> i think, I think well, he, he, got, he wrote, he wrote he a book out of it so it did work out well for him in the end i mean if we're gonna no talk about accomplishments I'm gonna, I'm gonna
1: give you the Rosie sunshine award for finding the positivity in that very good yes well so.
2: you, f- you figure after misery okay he wrote a new book he's got a bunch of new life experiences and he was probably a couple inches shorter so he got to go out and buy new wardrobe so <laughs> there was a lot of wins there
1: <laughs> so we get to go back to the old homestead which is never a good idea either and i don't this house looks like it's been used for a lot of things, but Nick, the thing it reminded me most of was the original farmhouse in the first Critters movie. Did you get a little mm-hmm. bit of that off of it? Oh, totally, totally. Yeah, that or or it was one of the houses in one of the Hellraiser movies. It could be that too, but either one. But I love how he's showing his, uh, again, his uh, SO around the place. And let me show you my old childhood bedroom. And it's all set up like, again, Frankenstein's lab or something. That should have been sign number one. Maybe we need to go. Maybe this is not a good idea to go complete mom's work here at this moment. Which, by the way, looks like she died in the morning, the funeral was at 10, and we're there by 1130.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's efficient. I mean, I, I'll, I'll credit them. I mean, they're getting this done as far as, like, she dies, buries, and getting out there. I mean, hell, why, why take weeks? Let's get it done in a day. So it's, you know, pretty efficient scientist there.
0: <laughs> and he took his entire scientific team with him up to his his dead mom's house for some reason too yeah right like I, I love
1: how this guy has that much control over his corporate uh, lab team and his postdocs and all this stuff which I'm starting to think like is this somehow tied to a university too because they like some of these people are still in school or whatever but he gets them all to come up there we got to talk about these people real quick okay so you, you've you got uh, Melissa again the, the tireless researcher which we find out the reason she can't ever sleep is because she's basically dead um, already <laughs> um, you got Sharon the significant other who I, I don't Know what role she plays? Then uh, apparently she uh is good at I don't know fixing breakfast. Then you have Hart on the lab team, who's like in a Friday the Thirteenth movie. His head would have been chopped off by about minute twenty-five. Uh, we know that. Then you have Brad, who's trying to quit smoking and invents weird things that don't work. So he's like his uncle lives in New York and bought a gremlin once uh, for Christmas. And then you have Cindy who is the only one that seems to know what in the hell is going on. And she's John's assistant. And when I thought she had died, I was very angry at this movie because I was like, man, Cindy's the only person keeping these people like moving forward at all. And their whole team's going to fall apart now, but at least she lived.
2: Yeah. It's a total cast of characters, but kind of what I was getting a little bit of vibes was, was I don't know if you have ever seen Prince of Darkness by John Carpenter. And kind of like the whole, like, student aspect and, like, them doing experiments. So I was kind of getting a little bit of that coming off of here with uh, him having a whole team of, uh, you know, people. But I guess that's, you know, pretty 80s, though, as far as have going that on. Because you just bring up, like, oh, group of scientists. I mean, obviously, you got Ghostbusters. You know, we talk talking about Prince of Darkness there. Um, even, like, stuff like, uh, God just came to mind, like, with uh, Flatliners. That's the other one I was thinking about. It's, like, having groups of friends who are also doing experiments or even Poltergeist.
1: I've got a little poltergeist also got a little bit of the thing off of it, uh, but not nearly as well put together nor acted.
0: Yeah. And another thing about this movie, it was weird is this bizarre setting and mix of the genre, how it's the cat. It's the going out to the cabin in the woods. And yet what occurs in the cabin is a pure sci-fi thing that normally happens on a spaceship. And yet it's happening in this, lake house and it was uh, again th- this movie does not know what it wants to be
1: no not at all and th- that I'm gonna say is not I mean, it's a fault of having five people write the script. And let's be honest, it's probably more like 25. It's just those are the five that got credit from the the, uh, the powers that be. But it's also not knowing what kind of movie we're making. And I feel like we've got a guy who makes a lot of sci-fi fantasy, and that's kind of his career, mixed with this other guy trying to make a schlock horror movie. And you see them try to meld that, and the peanut butter and the chocolate are not working. They can't get the mixture just right.
0: Yeah, this is one of those movies that like you know you see on Netflix, like some movie that's just called Alien <laughs> the most generic type titles, like, you know, uh Shark versus uh Ape, you know, Alien Exterminators, where it's like, I never heard I never saw a trailer for that, and you're never going to.
1: <laughs> no, not at all. Um, can we talk about the, the reveal of the tentacle monsters though? And then I have a question. So Anthony is the main monster thing, right? but is he able to like spawn these other things or with these other little things that like kill the dog and crawl into the watermelon and kill the one girl that's taken a watermelon to her parents anniversary thing. Like are those like, Uh, other hybrid organisms has he created those in his spare time after his mother tried to electrocute him what what's the deal with all that
3: it's so hard Uh, to tell because we you know we have all of them show up at once and and the way that the movie ends would lead you to believe that maybe these are all hers uh at least that was my impression but they don't all attack the same way so then there is that question of is this stages of hybrids
0: I was got the impression it was the same. We're see- basically we're seeing the same monster for the whole movie, except for that little uh, tag at the end. But I just know they got their they got their fifty bucks worth of rubber out of that tentacle. We we see it a lot—the creeping out from the side, <laughs> wrapping around the dog, or you know, touching the uh, the watermelon. Which gets into that uh, that scene. That's that's not too bad. There's there's like a good two minutes in this movie. That scene in the car with the watermelon. <laughs> Which uh, I, I'm I'm glad I don't eat watermelon because that scene would have put me off it forever. When you see a watermelon start writhing and burst open like a like a like a play of eels in you know in Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom, but that that scene isn't bad with its a nice little action scene in the car creening out of control while she's being it's like a it's like a the face hugger scene while someone's driving a car.
1: What uh, it's yeah. like a it's like a Freddy's nightmare. That's what that is. I mean it's that, exactly. I, I, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a nightmare on Elm street gag, which I liked it too. I like, you know what? That's actually well done. That was well shot. I don't know which one of you did that, but that was well put yeah. together because you knew that girl was dead meat because all she would talk about was impressing her parents with a watermelon. And I'm like, honey, uh, they just kind of probably want to see you there. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but, uh, You know, this, I, I just point, questioned
2: what her childhood was like. It's like, you're going to impress your parents with a watermelon. It's like, uh, I don't know. It's that's, that's a weird thing to impress anybody with unless
0: it's a delicacy. I guess. I don't know.
1: Do we know where this is taking place either? Like what geographic location this is in?
0: Nope, not at all. <laughs> it looks like yeah. it could be like DC government lab, then all of a sudden it, you know, could be Missouri. Who knows?
1: It could be out where you are, Irene. It could be Northern Virginia.
2: I was gonna say Virginia. I felt like pretty close to government area, but then you go a little bit west and you get a little bit you get a lot more rural as you go.
3: Well, we can we can call it West Virginia. It feels a little bit more West Virginia than Virginia. Come on now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that that's also true. <laughs> no, offense, <laughs> no offense, West Virginia. But uh, you know there there's a lot going on here. <laughs> Um, I, sad to say after that attack in the car, though, that's the last one of these people that dies. And that's what blows my mind about this movie is how do we not have a body count at the end of this? It's like Leprechaun when all these damn people live and you're like, how did that happen? Like, we, that's what you do in a horror movie. You pick everybody off until you get to your final girl or guy or sometimes girl and guy. And then they live. How did how did we not get that right? <laughs>
0: Yeah, it makes it look like a very inefficient monster that you you really don't have to be that afraid of.
1: Well,
3: remember we're not supposed to be afraid of his brother.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Yes, yeah. Nick called him Kurt and the the thing, but his name is Anthony, and they were fr- and Doctor Lloyd is insistent that it's not an it, it's a him. Damn it! And I'm like, man, I'm glad you're sticking up for human rights or whatever it is you got going on there. But yikes! Uh, but the Anthony part, the, it's oh, she, I guess she just called it Anthony just so she could give it a name, and I'm like. That, that that's not one you just pull out of the bag. Like,
3: I, w- I, I want to know house. psychologically what's going on with with Amanda that she thinks that it's a good idea to clone her son as a monster. Um, and you know, I'm just going to keep saying monster. And no, we shouldn't be saying that about him. But uh, it, it baffles me through the entire thing. Um, and I do want to go back to her biggest fan. What the fuck happened to her biggest fan here when she starts to morph into something else, because I legit thought we were about to have a chest burster right then and there. And then she grew gills.
0: Well, you, you, we're also skipping over another good bit with the British lady. I, I, again, I can't remember what her name was. I just kept calling her British lady when I was writing this up is that bit where what's his name gets attacked in the barn. By again, showing the inefficiency of this monster, he gets attacked and survives. And this really bizarre bit where she says to say it was a mad dog. And he just says, yeah, sure. And uh, I found that. um,
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hilarious. It's when you knew she was duplicitous in some way. It's like, oh, she's not what she seems. And of course, her reveal that she's working for Doctor Lloyd all along, so that he'll make her a stronger drug that'll keep her less dead or something. We should have known the fish thing was coming, though, because they, you know, uh, John she Hollis to wakes go up for one her morning. morning. swim. Yeah, he goes out there, and I mean, it. He's wearing a sweater. It looks cool. So it's obviously it's not West Virginia. We're on the coast somewhere. So no, now it's Wilmington, Nick. So that's it's in our state. So. She goes for a swim, and she comes out and says, yeah, I just got to have my morning swim. And he looks like he's freezing, and she's like, no big deal. And I'm like, later on, oh, so you turning into a fish monster is not really that big of a surprise. I also got – I've seen Buffy, so I kind of get the fish monster thing. I'm like, sure, people can be fish monsters. What's wrong with that? And the (laughs) fact that she dies because she's not in enough water, well, that's the cruelty of them for not throwing her in a bowl somewhere.
0: (laughs) Well, right before that that fishing has one of my – uh, this, made, God, this made me laugh is where she's standing in front of a window and it's like evil dead with the tree. The branch, co- the tentacle comes in and, and wraps around her and it wraps around her stomach. And the way they save her is they take a spike and they just stab the tentacle wrapped around her stomach. And watching the movie, it's like, it just looks like they just stabbed her in the kidney. And then all of a sudden comes this, uh, the, the mo- one of the most random transformation scenes. Cause I thought, fu- I thought this is not the kind of movie to expect a transformation scene. And it's a good place to mention the makeup in this movie was done by a guy named Matt Mungle, and he went on to win an Oscar with the team that <laughs> did the makeup for Bram Stoker's Dracula. He was nominated a couple more times, did the makeup in Ghost of Mississippi and, and Schindler's List. So I, th- I think he's probably the most successful person to come out of this. But that fish scene, it is the coolest thing in the movie because it's like genuinely good the way the gills f- like open up all in the camera but it it makes no sense because I wasn't paying that close attention, but I thought the clues of her being a fish person, those did not leap out of me. So I just thought I was, I thought I was tripping out. It's like, what, what the fuck is going on? All of a sudden it turns into, you know, it's like when, like an X-Men, when the guy turns into the puddle of water.
1: Yes. Yeah. It's just out of, it comes out of nowhere. And I, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess they dropped enough clues because my wife had the same reaction. You did like, what? And I said, no, 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 no. He said earlier she was like kissing a shrimp. And she looked at me, she said, What does that even mean? I said, I, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> I that's said, true. I
3: <laughs> yeah. I completely forgot that. Cause, you know, as, as Kurt just said, I was kind of watching it. <laughs> um, yeah, I I think that, that that's kind of unfortunately some of the take home here
1: yeah, it, there is a drop line though. Cause I wrote it down about, she created this by, and I love how holidays is recalling this like, yeah, my mom wanted some of my tissue. So I guess she spliced it with some animal DNA. I mean, the way he says that is just like, I loaned my mom a pound of flour once or a couple bucks or something. I mean, like, no, you know, I let her chew off some of my arm. I didn't know, you know, like <laughs> he didn't know any better all these years later. And I guess it's, it's the whole human animal hybrid. They're trying to make manimal that, I think that's what we're getting at, and and failing miserably at it. But we should talk about heart's injuries too, because that's the other thing about that scene that makes no sense to me. Kurt is he gets wrapped around the neck, and it looks like it, you know, stabs him right in the jugular with all the fake blood all over his shirt or whatever. And death, the only yeah. thing, I, yeah, the only thing I could think, I was like, brother, you need to eat some more carrots. Get some iron in your blood. <laughs>
0: Yeah, again, it is very confusing what this monster does. It affects, it affects every person in different ways. It suddenly turns this woman into a fish monster. It it, you know, rips this guy's neck apart. Tur- like the impaling into the face bit in the car, that didn't happen again to anyone else either.
1: Yeah, it has multiple ways to kill all of a sudden. And it's like it can't decide what to do. And that was my question. And Nick, I'll put it to you because you seem to, to be – you're the originator of this whole thing. Is it killing or is it defending its turf?
2: I think it's just trying to make friends because I honestly really don't know what else he's trying to do. I mean, he turned her into a fish lady, so maybe he's just like, hey, you know, I, I like to get wet, so I'll get a lady who gets wet. <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, Damn, that can go you a lot of different there. ways. <laughs> yeah, but. Um... <laughs> Trust me, you guys, I've been keeping my mouth shut because you guys have been setting me up with so much stuff, and I'm just like, I'm going to be good and not bring this (laughs) anything up here. the
1: time to go for it. Yeah, but. I think it's clearly the time to go for it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but the whole thing, too, is like the monster, uh, he you know, his motives don't make any sense to me. You know what I mean? It's like, you watch a movie like Alien and that first movie like Alien, it's just like, okay, this is just a creature that's trying to survive and it's being hunted by these people and now it's going to turn it back on them. Or, you know, even something like Jason where it's like, okay, he's just, you know, he's a a cannibalistic hillbilly out there who are not cannibalistic, but just like an inbred hillbilly that's going to be killing people with a machete. I mean, you can at least understand somewhat of their motivations, but like this thing is like, I... I don't know what it was trying to accomplish or anything besides, I don't know. I mean, just, I, we talked about how it has like those other little monsters there. And, you know, maybe if that was something where it's able to turn people into that, I don't know. And maybe it was trying <laughs> I, to do that
1: with them. See, I got the sense that, like, those used to be rats or something, some of them, especially at the end when they're all creeping up over the pipe and looking at the guy. I mean, it's almost like the team of rats in the Great Muppet Caper at the hotel that are singing <laughs> is what they look like. But I thought, like, did it did it get bored and turn the rats into friends or something? Maybe.
3: Well, you know, you have to think about um, Amanda disappeared from its life. I'm going to say it. I'm not going to say Anthony. It, it's life uh, suddenly because she had a heart attack, right? So it, it's been by itself. It hasn't had its little lullaby to soothe it to sleep, which happens to be the same lullaby that was sung to John when he was a kid to calm him down. It, it, also the kryptonite of this, this thing. Um, so, you know, he probably did attack the rats and kind of turn them like a vampire. Interesting that you say rats, maybe they were frogs. We, we have no clue at this point because we've got this, this whole yeah. uh, other area of a, of a swamp, <laughs> that that we lose people in I'm gonna yeah, call it a puddle. It's really a big effing puddle.
1: Yeah, if that much water is underneath your house, underneath the foundation, there is no way that those floors are in <laughs> any condition to walk on at all. I'm certain of that.
2: Yeah, it's basically like a giant sinkhole underneath the house.
0: Yeah, that made me think it was Louisiana, maybe with all the water underneath the house. But yeah, it, it's weird how the yeah the floor caves in and all of a sudden it looks like we're in a, we're in a cabin in the woods and then all of a sudden it looks like the descent where we're in this you know, this <laughs> this cave formation of of rock underneath the house and i think it's inter- interesting to point out with that whole thing with the fish transformation and the tentacle from that moment this is a, it's an hour 15 into this 90 minute movie and that's when i do think the movie does start to pick up a little bit like i feel like they made the whole movie just to get to that 15 minutes, but I thought if they made a whole movie where the whole movie is about an alien thing surviving in this cabin in the woods to get from this tentacle creature, this might have been a decent monster movie. But the fact that they cram it all in the end, that's, that was such a bad call. Yeah, that's the thing about these movies. Like, you can tell real
1: quick, like, this is trash. And, you know, can it be fun is the whole question. Can you enjoy the ride to get there? And the problem is, is most of them, like, the ending is just really flat. Like, they they run out of money. They don't know what to do. They just end these things. This one, like, all of the good part was the end of it. And it's what makes me think like this really would have worked a whole lot better as like a 22 minute television outer limits kind of episode. And you can set all of it up in a car ride out there. Mom died and said, we need to go destroy the journals. But what's in them? I don't know. Something about a brother. I don't have a brother. And then you can play the rest of it out at the house, except this time you got to pick off all these people and kill them. Because the fact that like Brad lives is amazing to me one he's he's got the worst habits he has a terrible attitude he's clearly a little i mean he's friggin' larry the lounge lizard out there <laughs> and he lives and he's the reason they survive he
0: comes up with the bomb yeah that was again that was one of the rare moments of like decent writing of setting up this thing of he's got this i don't know what the hell that is some kind of thing we stick a cigarette into it and it will somehow light it and the way they pulled that back at the end, I was like, ah, that was that w- that wasn't bad. But uh, again, that's you know, really reaching to try and come up with things that were competently done in this movie.
3: Oh, did we get to to everybody's favorite part? But the the sliming of Doctor Lloyd? Did we get there yet?
1: Oh, no, <laughs> we're yet. there.
3: Did we get there? Did we get <laughs> I, to the booger shower? Because that's all I, all I could think of was it, it was a shower of snot.
1: It's just like ectoplasm. <laughs> Thrown on Rod Steiger, so he can go no, you know, do the the emphatic no and yell, and then a uh, uh, really a body double wearing some pillows it looked like and a coat, a, a Doctor Loomis coat, s- does the slip and slide into the abyss.
0: See this when I when I saw this that scene, I knew this was going to be my residing memory of this movie. Now, when you pitched this to me of like you know of doing this movie in the Kindred, I took one look and I saw Rod Steigers in it. I was like, okay, it can't be that bad. Rod Steiger's in it. That was before I knew of all the crap he did, uh, you know, the 30 years <laughs> leading up to that movie. So this was his bread and butter, I guess, just, you know, doing these kind of pieces of shit for beer and money. So yeah, I'm uh, watching this movie. This movie has not been released on DVD. So, the version I saw on YouTube was clearly some guy hooked their VHS tape to their VHS player to some kind of screen capture thing. So, the the thing is, it all it made the colors all totally random on my TV, which adjusts the color for every shot. So, it was like I was going to have a seizure. So, I turned it to black and white. That's <laughs> what I'm getting.
3: So I in to, black,
0: we all watched
3: the same version, Kurt. So, we all had that problem. <laughs>
0: exactly. Yes. So, so yes. in black and white.
2: And I but, uh, did have a seizure. So, let's put it up there. <laughs>
0: For sure. So so in black and white, what I saw was a bunch of creamy white fluid spraying all <laughs> over the ceiling and dripping down. And, and coming down. out of
3: a hose exactly. as it sprays all over this cavern. And it was, yeah, it was and, the and most phallic image you could throw in some sort of low budget monster movie. Uh, exactly.
0: And if this if this movie, you know, if they had some good writers, there'd be, they'd find some comedy out of this. Like if you put this in, a, in that movie, this is the end with Seth Rogen, they would find some comedy out of that. But they don't. So it just becomes unintentionally hilarious. And watching this scene <laughs> with Rod Steiger, all I could think was this is the guy in the back of the car with Brando doing the I could have had class scene from On the Waterfront. You know, it was you, Charlie. This is Charlie. This is one of the most legendary scenes in one of the most legendary movies. Now here he is getting slimed in the face in this 1987 <laughs> D list monster flick. And uh I'll never be able to look at that. Stagger. Yeah.
2: They called that the money shot, Kurt. So. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, I don't think there's anywhere else we can go. We burnt this movie like the journals at the end and the 90 minutes of our lives we spent uh, talking about it. So it's time for Final Thoughts, Recommendations, and Popcorn Ratings. So how small of a popcorn is this, gang? Kurt, let's start with you.
0: Okay, well, for the for the longest time, uh, I've always been against horror movies in the in, in general, aside from your classics, The Shining, Jaws, Exorcist, Sounds to Lambs, what have you. But the last few years is when I've explored the genre some more like watching movies like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Nine of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Nightmare on Elm Street. And watching this movie just brought back all my old opinions on why I used to think that the horror genre is the worst genre in movies. Because when it, when it does come together, a horror movie can be worlds of fun. However, when they don't come together, you get a movie with bad acting, bad writing, poor direction, cheap effects, and you get something that's, not so bad it's good it's just bad like this movie made me think of troll 2 only it's not good enough to be so bad it's good and cheapo garbage like this is why the horror genre gets no respect uh and why most people don't bother to seek out the little the more little known uh horror movie stuff that people hadn't heard of like say richard stanley's sci-fi movie hardware or the poughkeepsie tapes now The two minutes worth of good makeup effects cannot save the other 88 minutes in this movie. This is the kind of movie that I'd scrape off the bottom of my shoe on the way to watching my usual brand of respectable movies, such as, I don't know, other Rod Steiger films, such as In the Heat of the Night or On the Waterfront. Uh, So the kindred gets uh, an extra small popcorn for me
3: sitting down to watch this movie as i said i was in the middle of doing a bunch of other things and i thought okay you know maybe i'll tell him i'm not gonna do it and then i told jay halfway through the movie you know i'm not gonna show up for that podcast and then i said okay i got 50 minutes to spare i'm gonna watch it so i finished watching the movie and then Said, okay, yep, I'm gonna go log into this. And as we're sitting here, I had a friend on Twitter who said that um, they, they really needed to know that, that today was a day of research, and should they dive into another Marvel movie or transition to something else. And I unfortunately said to them, "Go watch The Kindred." <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> so you're Doctor, you're Amanda, you're spreading the problem. <laughs>
3: And I said it if only because I wanted somebody else to live the torture of this movie. I'm going to give it an extra small popcorn with a few kernels that dropped on the floor at my feet that I'm not going to pick up and eat it.
1: <laughs> All right, Nick.
2: Well, you guys put me in a really, really tough situation here because this was a movie, like I said, for years. For years, it was in the back of my memory. A movie that I was seeking out going on facebook forum after forum after group after group i mean i i was searching for this movie forever and finally got to see it and i completely disagree with everything kurt says this is a large popcorn movie guys it's good. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's and it's not awesome because it's a good movie because it's not a good movie it's just awesome because i found it and i'm just thrilled about that i mean it's like okay it's like imagine you know you're you're, you go to summer camp and you have this like great romance there and you guys end up not you know not not keeping in touch and everything and you remember this girl and yeah 20 years later you find out she's 400 pounds overweight has a missing leg and a missing eye and possibly a meth addiction and but you know what though those (laughs) memories are there with her and no matter what she turned into you're still going to have those great memories even if they aren't really there and then you find out that woman never really even existed and that's kind of where i'm at right here so it's like. Yeah, the movie's a piece of garbage, but I'm just so thrilled that I found it and got to watch it again (laughs) that it it could have been, you know, even worse than what it was. And I'd still love it because I found the movie guys. I mean, this is like the, for me, this movie was the, you know, speaking of like, I think we brought up like Indiana Jones, this is the cup of Christ for me. I found it and (laughs) I'm just going to sit there and just be so happy that I did it and I got to review it. So it's a large popcorn.
1: I just want you to know Nick when I was watching this again with my wife who knows you she turned to me and said I- I'm worried about Nick's childhood if this is one of his fondos <laughs> is he okay do I need to call Katie and make sure he's all right and I laughed more at that than I did at anything in this film um I Yeah, I knew this was going to be small popcorn from the first minute that I watched of it. When you told me you had found it, I you know, found it on YouTube. I put it in my watch later file. I watched a minute of it. And I was like, oh, OK, yeah, that's definitely an episode one day because I knew going in kind of what you talked about, Kurt. It's troll two ish. I'm like, OK, if it can at least be that if it can be killer clowns. if It can be something like that. I will give it what it's supposed to be and at least have fun. Can it be fun getting there? The problem is, is that the fun all happens in the last 10 minutes and what leads up to it doesn't make any damn sense at all. Like there's no way to unravel the 15 people, whatever it was that tried to mesh this thing together. And the the thing is, is you've got people in these movies and we didn't name all the actors named drop Wallen, but every one of these people worked for years. Some of them still working today. They clearly tried. They failed miserably because there was nothing for them to do. Uh, Rod Steiger giving a bad performance as a, in a schlock movie is just something I've kind of come to expect from him, and I just have to set aside that yes, this great Oscar winner and Thesbian is slumming it with us, you know, in this movie. Uh, but I, I just wanted it. Could it be fun? And it, unfortunately, it's just not enough fun. The, the car kill scene is great. Um, The idea here, though, y'all, I'm going to say something a little controversial. I think this is one that like you want to go dig something out of a dustbin and give it a give it a modern spin. I think there's something here that you can make a competent movie out of the idea of this. You just got to put you got to put a little bit more money into it and you got to have a through line that you can follow. So don't start with a Porsche crash out of nowhere and maybe explain a little bit more of the motivation and something like that. And I think you've got something, but as it stands, the kindred is small popcorn and it's, it's bad. And it's, uh, uh, it, it's not, I, I can't do what Irina's done to tell other people to watch this consciously <laughs> because I I had two other people watch it. I mean, I, I feel like I did that to curtain you to do this, but I knew it would be fun to talk about with y'all because I, I, I knew because Kurt, Nick, and I had so much fun picking apart the goofiness that was Anaconda. That maybe this could be the same. The problem is that this movie doesn't have any of the the tongue in cheek fun that that movie had in it. It's um, also and
3: missing also... J Lo's ass.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, that that's also a prominent thing that's missing here too. So, uh, but maybe you could remake it with J Lo. I would go for that. You know, maybe <laughs> let her be Dr. Collins. We try that. You know, sure. Uh, Gloria Estefan can be her mom that dies randomly in the hospital. See, I've just cast the whole thing. But it was certainly a lot of fun talking about it with the three of you. So, Nick, I, you know, we didn't dig it. But, man, I, if you're happy with it, well, good. This is one for you. So it, enjoy. I'm glad you got to have fun. I, gotta, I Dude, it, this this is like one of the ones I got to
2: pick. I, I very rarely yeah. get to pick some of these. So if I come on here and I just go and say it's a small popcorn – I, I'm not going to keep on getting the it. So you know what? I'm going to polish this for, and I'm going to try to give it to somebody like a like a prize watermelon. Man, it's 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 a lot of <laughs> fun.
1: Well, I hope it's not one that you left laying on the counter uh, next to Anthony's experiments. That's all I can say. So, Oh, folks, it's been so much fun. Thank you for joining us on this latest episode of Filmstrip. You can find more episodes on our website, filmstrippodcast.com, as well as feeds where everywhere you can find and subscribe to the show, Google, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, you name it, we're there. You know, not only do we do this and stuff like Anaconda, we actually do some classy flicks. We've done some Kubrick movies. We've done the Alien movies. You want to go back? We've done some Marvel movies and some other Fun stuff, some Star Wars movies. Well, I said we did good movies. I probably shouldn't talk about the last Star Wars movies, but anyway, um, you know, you got all kinds of stuff in our archives that you can check out and enjoy. You can follow the show's social media at Filmstrip Pod on Twitter and Instagram, and Filmstrip Podcast on Facebook. We appreciate the support. So until next time, for Nick, Irina, and Kurt, I'm Jay. Thank you for listening to Filmstrip.
0: Thank you for listening to Filmstrip.
3: I hate you. First, you take a half hour to get this shit going, and then you fuck it up on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> fuck! God damn it! I hate you. It was <laughs> so hard. hard. <laughs> I'm gonna hate you,
1: so hard. <laughs> oh, this is gonna make the show. <laughs> okay.
3: <sighs> I'm gonna puke.
1: <laughs> Yeah,
3: okay. you, you guys know that Kurt's a professional, right? Like, we're giving <laughs> up his fucking no. time here.
1: Hey, and just like Rod Stagger, he's slumming it with us. So, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs>